there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career double shot K-Cup with my guest, Steve Blank. I would love for you to share with our listeners, Steve, what your big takeaways were, the pattern recognition that you saw that went into developing what has come to be known as the Lean Startup methodology. Well, you know, Lean Startup is is just a way to to recognize that as passionate as founders might be, that as founders of startups on day one about building new companies and new technologies, etc., that all they have is a series of untested hypotheses, which is a very fancy word for saying is all you're doing is guessing. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and not that it's wrong. It's just that it's an inefficient process. And let me go back to say what happened is, and for me, this was a, a set of painful lessons, is one of the companies I mentioned where I had a kind of a unintentional mentor was a CEO named Alan Michaels, who fairly uh, famed and feared. And uh, we were in the middle of a new startup, literally must have been 15 or 20 people. I'm now the VP of marketing, thinking I'm God's gift to marketing. Around the room, we're planning the features of the new product. are some really senior people, senior engineers anyway, who built impressive machines in the past. And we're discussing what kind of features the machine should have. And it's a technical discussion, but I'm impressed with myself sitting there that I could actually understand the conversation and thinking, that I hadn't heard the sound of my own voice that, gee, everybody else should hear it. And I burst in with some opinion about we ought to have feature X, Y, and Z. And Alan turned to me and uh, my friend, John Rubenstein, who later went off to be head of hardware engineering at Apple, still remembers that he was shaking his head to me that said, no, no, don't, don't go here. And Alan said, can you repeat what you just said? And I went, blah, 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 blah. And Alan said, really, is that what you think? And I still remember the moment the world changed. It changed it for everybody here because at the top of his lungs, like a Marine Corps drill instructor, he put his face about three inches from mine and started screaming, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. There's a room full of people who spent their entire careers figuring out these features. And you're just, you know, talking out of, again, some part of your body that you're embarrassing yourself in the profession of marketing. Get the hell out of my building. And I thought I had just been fired. And more importantly, in front of people I really respected, I felt so small I could have walked out underneath that door with it closed. And and again, my friend John said my face went white. I thought I had just been fired at the startup I just joined with some great people. And then he said, and take the VP of sales with you. Don't come back until you find out what customers really want. Well, I have to tell you, it was the most extreme two by four you could ever get by the side of your head. And today, probably completely illegal and would have been worthy of a good lawsuit, but changed my career. And in fact, was a 
impetus for the lean startup because there was an example of, you know, the professional marketing, which goes on a lot, thinking that all that matters in a room is your opinion. What actually mattered was what people wanted and needed outside the building. And we spent months scouring the country, figuring out what was the right, what we now call product market fit, what features would get us the most customers, and came back and actually became an incredibly powerful influence on the company and the system we were building. And later on, when I got to do a couple more startups after that, I got to practice that. One of the places where I failed doing that was my next to last company, where I had learned all this stuff. And then I kind of forgotten it because I kind of got wrapped up in the hype of being a hot startup. I was on the cover of something called Wired Magazine. And uh, 90 days later, I realized that the company was going to go out of business. And so I had to call my mother and tell her that, gee, mom, I, I lost $35 million. And because my mother was a Russian immigrant, English still wasn't her first language. And she had to pause for a bit and then said, where'd you put it? I said, no, <laughs> I, did, I didn't misplace it. It's gone. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like we can't even change our name. It's blank. The country we came from is gone and blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, no, the reason I'm calling you is the people who gave me the, the money just gave me another $12 million to do my next startup. And in my next startup, I remembered all those lessons I had put together. It was a startup called Epiphany and basically returned a billion dollars each to my two investors. And it was after that startup that I sat down, now retired, and started writing, of all things, my memoirs, of all the lessons learned from that day that I got yelled at to the day I learned the lessons to the day I forgot it, and realized, big idea, there was a pattern here of not only my behavior, but by this time I had done eight startups, I was sitting on private boards, I was sitting on a couple of public boards. And I was seeing a repeatable pattern. And that pattern was is that companies and startups that started and executed, like all they needed to do was execute a plan, tended to fail or at least spend a lot of time figuring out what the right plan was. And startups that did something different, that was actually getting out of the building and, and getting as close to the customer as possible early on, had a higher chance of success. And, and I developed a couple of rules, just very simple ones which said, you know, that we had been operating like startups were smaller versions of large companies. And in fact, so that's how Silicon Valley investors and venture capitalists implicitly told their entrepreneurs in the, in the last part of the 20th century. And it turns out that was fundamentally incorrect. Startups are not smaller versions of large companies. Large companies do something called execution of a known business model, which is a fancy word for saying they know who their customers are and they know their distribution channel, they know their competitors. There's a series of knowns. But in a startup, you might know something about your technology, but almost everything else about your business is a series of unknowns. And all those unknowns can't be pre-computed inside the building. That though, That's what we tended to do. And so the other rule or heuristic about this lean startup method said, there are no facts inside the building, so get the hell outside. And what you were getting outside for was finding this thing called product market fit. That's a long soliloquy to answer your very short question. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you 
always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.